Hello, and welcome to Father's Day Galaxy. I'm Keith, and this is my dad, Kurt. What do Superman, Star Wars, and Jane Austen have in common? It's author Claudia Gray, who joins us on this episode of Father's Day Galaxy. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us. Our guest is New York Times bestselling author Claudia Gray. Among the many books and graphic novels that she has written, Claudia is best known as the writer of several popular Star Wars novels, including Lost Stars, Bloodline, Bloodline Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and Master and Apprentice. Masters and, Master and Apprentice. She's Claudia. also the author okay. of High Republic books, Into the Dark and The Fallen Star. I've read both, actually. Claudia has also written for DC Comics and is the author of the graphic novel trilogy, House of L, a story about Krypton and, you know, the prelude to Superman. Her latest is the mystery novel, The Murder of Mr. Wickham, inspired by Jane Austen. Welcome to Fathers of Galaxy. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. for meeting Philadelphia, which was awesome, so I'm glad we're finally getting to do this. You were about to say that. We went to a fan expo in April. Yes, yeah, yeah we're, it was such an honor to meet you in person back in April. So thank you. Twice. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We we know that Claudia Gray is a pseudonym for Amy Vincent. Um, how did you choose the name Claudia Gray? Um. All right. I'm a big dork about things that are more obscure, I guess, than Star Wars as well. I'm a dork about everything. Uh, but one of the things I'm super into is uh, Roman history. I actually have a whole bookcase at home with just ancient Rome books. And uh, what got me into that was the miniseries. I've also read the books now, uh, I, Claudius. And uh, that's why I picked Claudia. That is a true story. Uh, if anybody out there hasn't seen I, Claudius, I highly recommend it for adult viewers only. Uh, it is both this really incredibly well-acted, well-written, you know, subtle British drama of the 70s and the trashiest soap opera you've ever seen. It is both of these things at once. Uh, and Grey, that was just kind of in the middle of the alphabet, I think. I don't know. Uh, if, if I'd known I was going to be going full time by it for much of the rest of my life, sometimes I think, well, would I choose differently? But this one has, has worked out well so far. Uh, How did you decide you wanted to become a writer? I always knew that I would like to be a writer, but it took me a very long time to get up the confidence and courage to really give it a try. Uh, you know, I never took any writing classes in school, you know, high school, college, any of that. Um, and then when I was in law school, the X-Files came out. I'm really dating myself here. Uh, and I got into fan fiction, which was just beginning to happen online. I mean, everything was just beginning to happen online. This was the beginning of mass uh, use of the internet. And the X-Files was really the first show that had a primarily online fandom and interaction, people talking about the episodes together, et cetera. So I started writing fan fiction then, and I did not stop. Um, 
until well into my Polish career. But, um, you know, I kept writing and writing. And at first, I have to tell you, the stories were terrible. And then they got mediocre, you know, and then they got not as bad as mediocre, you know, all right. Uh, and I was writing about more and more things as well, not just the X-Files. And then finally, once I had my first novel length idea and I knew it was novel length, um, which is actually one of the benefits of being a fan fiction writer. Fanfic is however long you want it to be. You know, it could be a hundred words. It could be half a million words, whatever. Uh, and so you're just writing until you get to the end of what you've got. And at least it gave me, and I, I know there are others for whom this is true, a really good sense of just how much idea do you have? Do you have enough for a book? Which could be a difficult thing for writers starting out. But in that case, it was like, oh, that's it. That's what that would look like. Uh, you know, it was another like five to six years before I really geared up to go professional, uh, to try to go professional anyway. But I knew from the time that I was able to sort of write my first 90,000 word story that had the correct number of subplots and this and that, that, you know, that, that I had something there. So um, my first published writing was actually um, a piece of Star Trek fiction. Uh, it's the only thing published under my real name. Back in the day, they used to run a contest every year called Strange New Worlds. And fan writers sent in stories and they would publish a collection of them every year. And there were three big winners and then the rest of us. And I was one of the rest of us, but I got in with uh, a Deep Space Nine story about Jake Sisko. Uh, having lived in New Orleans, I was like, I think I, think I have some things to say about the Sisko tradition of bonding over food so that was fun to do i don't know if that answered your question i hope it did <laughs> absolutely it did yes yes uh how were you chosen to write for star wars um all right um you know i've written several books of my own and that is an absolute must for anybody that's going to write for any franchise they need to know that You've done your own work, you can deal with deadlines, you can deal with edits, you can handle yourself in an event, et cetera. So you have to get into that category. And I'd gotten into that category, but it's a big category. And um, what happened actually was an editor who I knew was at Star Wars. And, and at the time I knew she was there, but it never occurred to me that she might call me for this because at the time Star Wars hadn't done anything that you would call a young adult, which at the time was the only thing I'd written. Um, but they said, hey, we want to do a Star Wars young adult novel. We need somebody who's a big fan and writes fast. And she's like, I know somebody. And I met this person on Alt TV X-Files Creative back in the day. Like, I think it was 94, 95. Uh, you know, so they love it at schools when I tell this story, because the moral of the story is goof off on the internet, kids. It'll pay off. <laughs> it did for me. <laughs> So your first novel was Lost Stars, one of my dad's favorites, released in 2015. It's considered many fans one of the best Star Wars books ever written. It's about Fane and Sienna, who come from opposite lifestyles, but they both enroll in the Imperial Academy. They develop a bond over time, but Fane becomes disillusioned by the Empire and decides to join the Rebellion. Now, they're fighting on opposite sides of the war. We see different battles taking place from different perspectives, from the Battle of Yavit all the way up to the Battle of Jakku. Tell us how that book came to be, how you got the idea for it. 
Well, they come to you with an idea. Um, now, when they first came to me, I thought, oh, they're going to give me this really long outline and explain everything I'm supposed to write. And at the time, I was okay with that. I was like, what the heck? I'll, you know, it's Star Wars. Okay. But instead, they said, we want two childhood friends who share a bond to wind up on opposite sides of the war. We want this really, you know, tormented, angry guy and this idealistic young girl, and he joins the Empire and she joins the Rebellion. And I came back and said, I think it's much more interesting if the idealistic girl joins the empire and the angry dudes in the rebellion. And they said, okay. Uh, and I knew I was supposed to use the events of the original trilogy. So uh, I got to build it from there. And what I always tell people, the book is about, you know, it's about not being the main hero or the big villain. You know, some people get the master plan explained to them. Some people get to see the, the Death Star plans, et cetera. But most people, and there would have been trillions upon trillions of people affected by the war against the empire, um, you know, what was it like just to get caught up in that? What, what do you even know? What do people say? How has that felt or experienced? And uh, I think the part of the book that people have responded to the most strongly is seeing how Sianna as somebody who is fundamentally a good person, the empire uses that goodness against her. It, it doesn't play to her worst instincts. It plays to her best instincts. She's, she's loyal. She believes in duty and in service. Uh, when she's given her word, she doesn't break it. You know, and that's what they use against her. When, when, the, when Project Luminous came about, uh, we saw there was a video clip uh, that was shown with, uh, it was a round table. I believe it was taking place at Skywalker Ranch where it was you and other writers were sitting at a table and you were brainstorming. There was the whiteboard and you're putting ideas yeah. on the board. Um, if you could take us back to that round table and if you could tell us how was decided which characters would be seen in the High Republic and which books were assigned to which authors? Um, the characters came on, came out actually a lot later in the process because we had to figure out just the rough dimensions, what we were dealing with first. Um, and that's very different from my usual process as a writer. So, uh, there was adjusting to that, but that initial conference at the two conferences at Skywalker Ranch were amazing. First of all, cause you're at Skywalker Ranch and you're freaking out and being, you know, really, really nerdy. And it's only okay because everybody else who's ever been there has done the exact same thing. Um, and it's really interesting though, because it is a place specifically designed to foster creativity. There are a lot of buildings that are very spread out on what is a working ranch. You know, they're, you know, grapes are being picked and things are being farmed. Uh, wild turkeys are roaming around the whole time. Uh, and when you're taking an early morning stroll, they're very curious about you, which is strangely unnerving for turkeys, but they're big, you know, they're large. Anyway, um, but when you walk from building to building, you're thinking about the things that you've talked about. The library is one of the most beautiful rooms I've ever been in. And it's filled with things that are, you know, about different mythologies or different visual interests or, you know, deep sea creatures, et cetera. And you can go just leaf through there 
and see what gets stimulated by that. Or you're leafing through a book of images and there'll be notes in there and you realize like somebody looked at this before Attack of the Clones. Like, you know, this, this connects to that in some way. So that, and you know, those sessions were very much more about sort of throwing everything out there you know, and then once we had the High Republic idea, sort of figuring out, okay, what are the most interesting ways for this idea to manifest itself? Um, and then the characters, you know, we had some ideas for characters off the bat, and then some of them grew out of what we needed as we developed the stories more. And really, it wasn't like, oh, this story goes to this person, but we knew that Charles would do the first adult book. I would do the first young adult book. Uh, Justina... Ireland would do the first middle grade book. Um, and so it was sort of figuring out, okay, which characters belong in which of these stories, which events make the most sense to go with those. Uh, and that's more or less how it's worked ever since, as you know, we're bringing in new authors for phase two because we cannot possibly keep up. We tried so hard. There was just a lot, but I don't know how anybody's kept up reading it at all, but uh, I'm glad that people have and that they're psyched for it, but it's really great to have um, you know, Lydia and George and Zoraida in the mix too for phase two. Uh, and, you know, now, of course, we're beginning to think about phases beyond. So I can't speak anymore or else they'll, you know, a Lucasfilm lawyer would just suddenly leap at me from off screen. Understood. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. It's a, it's a grand project. I mean, when we first heard about it, we knew this was going to be something big, um, something that's never been done before, uh, done before for Star Wars, uh, creating brand new characters uh, from scratch. Um, question I have is when you're writing for Star Wars, are you visualizing what you're writing on the page for the live action screen? Like, are you, are, yeah, are, right. Are you saying, or are you seeing what you're writing on the page visualized on the screen? And has there been any talk of you turning your books into like a film or Disney plus series or something? No, I wish, I wish on that one. That'd be cool. Um, it'd be super cool, but uh, not so far as I know. Um, as for that, yes, I mean, Star Wars is fundamentally cinematic. And of course, I'm using that to encompass television as well. Uh, images are a part of the story. They are a part of the essential language of Star Wars. And so you have to think about those visuals from time to time. And it can be difficult, you know, a lot of both of Into the Dark and The Fallen Star take place within very confined areas and that's always a little bit tougher to make cinematic but you try and you do these things and um i also do things like um in books where you move around more you know when a star wars movie a lot of times you go someplace there's the swipe you know across the screen and then you'll have this far image of some ship or a landscape or whatever and then we get in on the action a lot of times i try to write sort of that moment you know, I'm, I'm not saying this is the swipe, guys, but I feel like readers pick up on that in some level, like they imagine it in their head in the same order and in the same way it would be if it were filmed. And hopefully it it creates that cinematic tie to some degree. I want to talk about your DC trilogy, uh, House of L. I'm a big Superman fan. I love the films. 
Um, and I know that you are also a big fan of the earlier Superman films with Christopher Reeve. That was probably your inspiration for the trilogy. Um, but I want to just tell you a little bit about, you know, the people who have not read it or don't know about what it is. It's the origin story regarding the planet Krypton, right? It is taken, uh, so it's taking place on Krypton. It's in, it involves two characters, one named Zahn, who is a wealthy future scientist. Sarah is a middle-class soldier in the military and the two of them come together and they discover this big secret about the planet that it's doomed to destruction. Um, but they have this government that is really blocking them or, or preventing them from saying anything else because the government is either um, knows that the planet is going to destroy itself but refuse to do anything about it because they don't want to cause a panic um, with the people mm -hmm. of Krypton or they just choose to just uh, believe that it, that Krypton is fine it's, it's mm -hmm. nothing's going to happen everything is, is great yeah it, it reminds me of this book called the Bob Squad it's a Minecraft book basically these kids they have this crazy adventure I don't want to tell you what it is because I don't want to spoil the book, but like no one believes them. I kid you not. Mm -hmm. Like the elders, yeah. the leaders of their Minecraft village, they're like, no, that never happened. Right. Everything you're saying is just fairy tale. It's all hearsay. It's right. not true. Right. It's true. It's right. true. Yeah. And, and the government is the obstacle that's getting in their way of telling the truth. Why did you want to write this story about Krypton? Well, it was it's even bigger than the than the government really, it's the society that they're in. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I was, I think I turned eight the summer that Superman the movie came out, you know, and I was freshly primed from Star Wars to want to be into all things geeky. And then this happens and it's amazing. And, and it is such a good movie. You know, I, I think there are some people online that now don't like the fact that the later part of it is as comic as it is an adventure. But, you know, you have to be able to laugh at a little bit of this. And I think Gene Hackman has never been funnier than he is as Lex Luthor. But uh, but anyway, I was really fascinated by that beginning on Krypton and everything's all gorgeous. And Marlon Brando's looking better than he had in 30 years or ever will again he's amazing that white hair oh my god uh and they have like the world's greatest british actors all there just to go guilty or whatever it is um and you have this moment and i was just like they they were so smart and so powerful and i'm like how do they not know the planet is blowing up you know how jorel can tell so there's some evidence that this is happening but why 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 and you know i wish that that were not a realization that now makes a whole lot of sense in today's age but it is uh people will kick the can down the road as far as they can and they won't look at a problem head on for as long as they cannot look at it which sometimes is way too long and really in house of l there is a reason why these people are literally blinkered they can't wrap their minds around what this is or the scale of this problem anymore. But uh, Zahn and Sarah, for different reasons, are outside of that framework. And they're two of the only people outside of that framework. And they're certainly the only peers. And so how they deal with that knowledge is, is, the, is the fundamental arc of the story. It's, it's a fascinating story. I, I read both books. So it's, it is a trilogy. So both books are now available 
book three comes out sometime next year. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't have a release date yet. Huh? I'm waiting for book three. Okay. It should be early next year. Um, but yeah, I don't have, a, I don't have a solid date yet. I will let you know. Okay. All right. And we we're going to ask you, what do you have uh, coming up next? You did say you have something involved uh, with Star Wars that you can't tell us anything else that you yeah. Is there anything well, else? Well, let's see. I can say um, that I will be working on some future Star Wars projects, some of which are High Republic and some of which aren't. People know that in phase two of the High Republic, I'm only doing a comic called Quest of the Jedi. And I think that's 100% of what I'm allowed to tell you at this point. But, uh, but yes, I'm doing a comic for that. Uh, and I'm actually doing a couple of things for intellectual properties that are not. Star Wars that I'm very excited to work with, but can't really tell you guys about yet. Uh, and I have written a sequel to The Murder of Mr. Wickham, which will be out next June. So uh, I'm balancing working on the Star Wars stuff with working on a whole lot of other interesting projects, which is the best way. I mean, I'm very proud of what we've done with the High Republic, but it was like nothing but the High Republic for almost two years straight for a while there. And I was like, I, I got to think about something else sometime. You are very busy. And we also, I believe you're scheduled to appear at the new Super New Jersey Comic Expo in yes. November. Yes. yes. Homedale. Yes, Homedale, New Jersey. I yeah, think, let's try to get there. Well, you know, I think we were there many years ago, and I don't know if you remember. I do. Right. I, got, I got like an Ahsoka Lego piece. I, I, I think that's the place. And I, I was, was looking at some Star Wars yeah. ones. I got one of those beans. Yeah. Right. But like the head looked completely off. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're hoping to go. So we hope we'll see you again in person. So we're looking forward to that. That would be great. Yeah. I, I wind up doing like a much smaller con about once every year or two, uh, because it is fun to get to those gatherings as well. Sometimes as much as I love a great big con, you know, there really is sort of a personal level of fun that I think you get to have at things like that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, when is it? Is it early November? Everything's yes, November 5th, November 5th. Okay, everything's a little blurry in there for, yes. uh, cause I did a whole lot of traveling and now I'm not, but then once New York Comic Con happens, there's more traveling again for a while. Well, this has truly been an honor to have Ooh, you. One more question. I'm sorry, you have another uh, question. What advice would you give to you know, aspiring authors like me, Um, my advice is always super vague at the beginning, but it really is, this is 90% of it. One is read everything you can absolutely read the stuff that's like what you want to write, but read other stuff too, because you don't know where ideas are coming from. You don't know what's going to like make you go, wait, I see how this could work with that. You, you need to be reading and reading and reading. And the, that sounds really obvious, but the number of people I talk to who want to write books, but mostly just watch movies and TV is much higher than you'd think. And while you can learn things about storytelling from script writing, absolutely. Uh, how you handle things in prose is differently. Like you said, creating visual structures and the way you move through time is differently done you know uh you have to figure out how to get forward a year versus a week versus a day um things like this matter and with reading you just you don't have to sit there and take notes you just pick up on how this gets done you'll internalize those lessons uh and then the other one is 
to write as much as you possibly can. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that you have to write every day because I personally don't. Some people do. But one of the biggest things about learning how to write is learning who you are as a writer and what you personally have to do to be productive and to get somewhere. And some people must write every day. Some people can't. Uh, Some people must outline. Some people can't. Uh, Are you productive in the mornings or the evenings? Do you need to have like, you know, can you take an hour a day and do what you need to do? Or do you need, you know, to take fewer but longer stretches of time? Back when uh, I still had a day job, I would run all my errands and see all my friends on one day of the weekend. And on the other day of the weekend, I didn't leave the house. You know, all I did was work the whole day. Um, You know, I don't know whether that will work for you or not, but if you're writing as much as you can, you're figuring out who you are as a writer and your voice will begin to emerge. It may take a long time. Some people hit the ground running. Uh, Some people, it can take a while to really find what works best for you, but you will not get there without writing the pages down. Don't be too worried if the first step doesn't look exactly the way you wish it would. Uh, That's just part of the process. Yeah. I've already got people lotted up to read my book. All right. First one being my mom and my dad, because, you know, (laughs) I got to send this to them. Yes. I can't wait to read it. Yay! Did you have anything else? Well, I I wanted to thank you for your writing advice, because that's going to help going forward. And, you know, I do a lot of writing, like me and my mom. We go to Founding Farmers, we get, like, some tea and some donuts, and we sit down for, like, two hours, and we write our books together, because my mom's a published author. I'm hoping to be like... I, I like this this tea and donuts plan. I may th- I may take that as writing advice for yeah. myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to be, like, the youngest published author or something. Wow. Well, as cool as this would be, don't ever think... It's too late. I was 36 when I sold my first book. And I know plenty of published writers who sold it later than that. And you know what? We're all published writers. Whenever you get there, you know, don't don't sweat it. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Where can people find you? Thank you. Uh, I'm at claudiagray.com. That's gray with an A, uh, which has links to a lot of social media. As you guys probably know, I don't do a ton of social media myself. My assistant keeps it up, but she keeps it up and she does let you know about things. Uh, Also, I forget whether the sign-up form is on the website yet, but uh, I am launching a newsletter finally. Uh, It'll be quarterly, but it'll keep people posted on what the next projects are, what appearances will be. Uh, probably have pictures of my dog, etc. So yeah, you can't pass that up. But uh, there will be a newsletter as well. So hopefully we'll be able to stay in touch. That's wonderful. We're looking forward to that. Yeah. All right. Where can people find us? Well, you already know where to find us on the audio platforms. Okay, you can keep it short if you like. Uh, check out our socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fathers and Galaxy. Check out our website, fathersongalaxy.com. Donate to our Patreon page, which is fathersongalaxy.com. Check out our speaker site as well. All right. You are my favorite author. Aww. <laughs> uh, we have stacks and stacks of your books here. So oh, fantastic. Take a look at our bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> it is honestly, it's truly an honor to, to have you on our podcast. And we look forward to seeing you again in person. 
okay, fantastic. But it's not at home. It'll be somewhere else. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's been great being on. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. And All right. Thank everyone for this episode. So until next time, please take care. And, and we, we will see, see you again. again.